Good vibes if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan as they sweep the Colorado Rockies and they face the reeling Yankees. We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. You are Locked on Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss, Ulysses Sombrano, still enjoying his vacay time in Japan, although he does take the opportunity to do some work, do some podcasts every now and again. We appreciate that. We are the host of the Locked On Race podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your very first listen every day. Be sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Locked On Rays. You can also find us on the social medias at Locked On Race and Send us your mailbag, questions, comments, concerns, hot takes, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays take down the Colorado Rockies yesterday afternoon by a score of 5-3. to three. Thanks in part, in large part, to the home run explosion that was Isak Paredes, Luke Rayleigh, and Josh Lowe's two-run go-ahead homer in the later portions of the ball game. I should note that Paredes and Josh Lowe's homers were with two outs. And Luke Rayleigh, uh, if, as Dave Wills likes to say, maybe had another biscuit or two for breakfast, that triple could have been a home run. So you had Luke Rayleigh get his 18th homer, Isak Paredes get his team-leading 26th homer, and Josh Lowe getting his 17th homer. And... It got me thinking. Uh, first off, I know that we had entered this series saying, you better do some damage against the Colorado Rockies. You really need to sweep. And we always try to avoid or be cautious about using the S word, even against a crap team, even if it's a two game, three game, four game series at home. But the Rockies are going nowhere. They're 30 games under 500 one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball. Uh, Nothing much doing on the roster, offensively speaking. If I had to say anything about what redeeming quality or qualities they have, it's probably some of the slick defensive players they have, from Brendan Rodgers to the shortstop to the center fielder. Nolan Jones uh, made a play in corner outfield as well, so they have a little bit of that going for them, but not much else. So, Despite what the Rays are going through with injuries, adversities, off the field issues, distractions, young players being forced to step up and make contributions, it was a series that you go in and you say, on paper and in person, you better deliver, you better do damage. And they certainly did that. And, um, you know, some of these games, it's funny. Yes, it was the Rockies, but. There was some action and some um, some interesting, unique, entertaining moments throughout the course of this series, for sure. We can go back to a couple of days ago where, um, you know, the Rays essentially had to, to win twice uh, to get that W in extra innings. But we won't uh, go there. I know Ulysses uh, uh, discussed that at length. But overall, it was nice to get the sweep. And I believe the Rays have now won seven of their last eight series. So they are on an upward trajectory 
while their uh, their next opponent, the New York Yankees, are on a downward trajectory. They barely avoided their longest losing streak. And I don't know. I don't, I don't even know the stats anymore. But um, let's just say it was a really long losing streak and it wasn't looking good for the Yankees. It essentially takes Aaron Judge to hit uh, three home runs in the game for, for the Yankees to win now, evidently. But uh, that certainly isn't going to um, bring a lot of good vibes for the Yankees because there's still several games under 500. And I have no idea how uh, Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman are going to be able to stick around and keep their jobs. Um, so I guess it was a nine game losing streak, but um, after what, what transpires over the course of this season, unless again, like we've mentioned before, they know something about the Steinbrenners. They have some dark decrepit secrets and blackmail that they can deploy, or maybe it's just a case of, Hey, uh, it's the um, it's the enemy, you know, uh, you know, Cashman and Boone, they understand what it's like to uh, run the the Yankee organization and deal with the media market and the fan base and all that. So why bring in a, an upstart and a newcomer to, to shake things up? But I got to tell you, they they really do have to transition their way of doing things. Um, they're old, immobile, overpaid, prima donna players that are subject to injury um pretty much everybody not named glaber torres and you can even add aaron judge to the category of guys not playing up to performance because he's been injured and has missed um an extended period of time but uh nobody is really playing up to their potential you're without josh donaldson which is probably uh uh you know a blessing in disguise and and uh, anthony rizzo as well. So they're a mess. The Rays should, again, I don't want to say go in and sweep the Yankees, but, or when the Yankees come to the drop that they sweep them. But I think that uh, you should be able to uh, hopefully win the series against the Yankees. But going back um, to the game against the Rockies, is not going to go too much into the nuts and bolts of it. I do know that we have to play part three of our interview, uh, the final part of our interview with Lindsey Crosby, who was so generous to join us a little while back to talk all things prospects and MLB draft. And he's just a, uh, a treasure trove of, of knowledge and insight. But um, you see what Luke Rayley and Isak Paredes did yesterday, and they've been such bright spots on this team this year in different respects in different ways. And I just want to throw it out there. You know, I've been talking to some people and you can just look at the roster and the 40 man crunch and the prospect crunch that the Rays are going to have to go through maybe a little bit less. So now with um, some of the injuries and uh, what they're dealing with, with Wander Franco, but you have, Curtis Mead knocking on the door. You have Jonathan Aranda knocking on the door. You have somebody named Junior Caminero who some outlets say is the number two prospect in all of baseball behind Jackson Holiday. Um, that he's going to be the the next great thing, the next amazing thing uh, at third base or wherever he winds up playing long term. Um, they're likely going to need some pitching help in the relief department and starting department. So. You just wonder, uh, 
are Luke Rayleigh and Isak Paredes both going to be on the team next year? And if you had a choice, which guy would you rather have on the roster next year? And I know this is a little bit premature in early discussion, but I figure I'd throw it out there because there's going to be a lot of transactions and a lot of moves this offseason for the Rays, and they're going to have some really, really tough decisions to make. And maybe I'm not thinking about this correctly. Maybe they're going to move somebody else or multiple somebody's somebody's else. You know, I don't know, Brandon Lau, Manny Margot, whatever it may be. But you have a lot of guys that are knocking on the door and um, you have to find spots for them eventually, eventually, I will say. But with um, Luke Rayleigh and Isak Paredes, it's it's really interesting because I I still think what they're doing this season is kind of um, criminally underrated, maybe not by the diehard Rays fans, but definitely amongst the casuals and just um, casual baseball fans as well. You you say, oh, you know about Luke Rayleigh, you know about Isak Paredes, and people are going to be like, okay, no, not really. I don't know who those guys are, uh, where they might be more familiar with Josh Lowe and other guys because Luke Rayleigh and Isak Paredes um, weren't ballyhooed and top prospects and talked extensively about throughout the minors. They've kind of had to quietly grind and grind and grind and work and work and work uh, to cement their stop uh, to, to cement their stop and spot on the big league roster. So I just wanted to throw it out there. If you could only keep one guy for next season, Luke Rayleigh or Isak Paredes, who would it be and why? Um, so I wanted to throw that out there and also just want to note this about Isak Paredes. Um, again, you look up and down. He, he very well could get to 30 home runs uh, this season, which would be quite, quite a feat and quite a rarity for a player in a Rays uniform. And something that I don't think it's discussed enough is that trade a couple years ago, shipping out Austin Meadows for Isak Paredes in a draft pick. And you just look at the careers of both of those guys since then. And I know Austin Meadows is dealing with a lot in his personal life off the field and on the field. Um, his mental health battles have been well publicized. His anxiety battles have been well publicized. His vertigo battles have been well publicized. He's dealt with uh, tendonitis. He had COVID-19, just a myriad of things and issues and nicks and bruises have popped up. But in his two plus years, I guess now, or getting to two plus years with Detroit, he has played in a grand total of 42 games and has a grand total of zero home runs. I believe that's correct. Zero home runs in a Tigers uniform. Contrast that with what Paredes has done in a Rays uniform. So I don't know if the Rays saw the writing on the wall, the inklings of what Meadows has been dealing with or is dealt with, but talk about trading him at pretty much the perfect window of time. And you have a guy like Paredes is, who is doing what he is. Not just playing third base, but he's getting starts at shortstop. He's getting starts at second base. He's um, showing he's more than just, hey, he'll, he'll pull one over the fence 
uh, every now and again, or more frequently, much more frequently than every now and again. He has other aspects to his game that are um, that are solid as well. Just seems to be like a go about his business, will play hard, hustle hard. He's not the most lithe or athletic. Um, you can make an argument just going back to a couple days ago that I guess the ball that was uh, hit off of Kittredge that went over Paredes' head at short. If it was Basabe or Wander or Taylor Walls, somebody else that was more athletically gifted and more vertical, maybe he could have made that play uh, just lifting up and elevating a little bit. But um, Paredes has been a godsend um, to this roster. So is Luke Rayleigh. So is Josh Lowe. And it's just a case of you have to give these young guys time to to marinate and get settled in and find their footing and go on from there. And maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe the Rays are absolutely, well, I'm sure they're enthused about what Rayleigh and Paredes are doing right now. But maybe they're saying, we legitimately feel and believe. We don't care how, you know, uh, casuals underrate Rayleigh and Perez. And that's the other thing, too, is you try to trade one or more of those guys. How are they valued across baseball um, in comparison to other names, other guys who have kind of that prospect profile? They were top 100 prospects and people have heard of them before because at the end of the day, some of that matters a little bit. But maybe they're looking at it and saying, um, whatever we do, we, we, we definitely feel that Luke Rayleigh and Isak Paredes are, are long-term cornerstones of this roster. And maybe that's moving off of, I mean, we know, you know, Vidal Brujan is probably not here to stay. Don't know about Jonathan Aranda, but maybe they go and think of it in a different route with, I don't know, Curtis Mead. Uh, you know, I, I would think just about anything and everything is on the table. Although Junior Caminero really, really, really seems to be knocking on the door and knocking down doors. So I would imagine that they're not going to trade him for anything. And let's also rem uh, remember and remind ourselves that uh, that was a pretty sweetheart deal as well. Uh, acquiring Caminero from the Guardians for somebody named Tobias Myers. What is Tobias Myers up to? As of late, uh, not too much if I had to check. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I know, uh, again, I know it's a little bit um, premature and probably isn't even quite fair or appropriate to have this discussion, but it just got me thinking, is both Luke Rayleigh and Isak Predis going to be on the roster in 2024? What about 2025? What about 2026? What is your determination on them going forward? So uh, I'll be curious to see what people have to say and maybe the live chat and the YouTube comments and maybe get um, uh, Ulysses take on this as well. And Evan Klosky and others. Um, so uh, just wanted to bring that up. All right. Um, we have more to discuss on this episode of the Locked on Rays podcast, but we have to tell you something very important. And that is Sleeper. Sleeper is very important. You know why? Because it's a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022. 
while earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. With Sleeper, you can win up to 100 times payouts. That's the highest payouts on the DFS market. You can place in-game contest, and there's a ton of stat uh, categories to place contest on, from home runs, triples, stolen bases, and more. They've also got something pretty cool called dynamic payouts, which means uh, really each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it as opposed to preset multipliers based on the number of legs in a contest. Um, so get on the sleeper train. Just do it. Use promo code LOCKDOWN, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out sleeper to day all right that wraps it up for the rockies series and kind of a a uh, protracted yankees preview just go out and smash the yankees that'd be nice right don't we love that um so now we'll have uh, the final part of our interview with Lindsay crosby hope you all enjoy um, all right, turning to the 2023 MLB draft for a moment, and I know it's been uh, over a month now since that occurred. Um, In y'all's defense, you asked me to come on right after the draft, and my family was at Disney, so I, I couldn't come on. So in in your defense, you did try to get this addressed right after the draft and not a month later. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you know, they, they got everybody signed and wrapped up for a couple weeks later, so it wasn't yeah, too far go. gone in that respect. Um, just overall how this year's draft, not just the Rays, but, um, all 30 MLB teams talent level of this year's draft compared to prior iterations. Um, I know it's a little bit tough because you have the COVID year with only five rounds and rounds have been shifted from 40 to 20 and there's been all that mess as well. But that, that short 2020 draft directly contributed to how good this draft was because you had all of those questionable signing guys that you're not sure if he's going to sign or not. So we're going to take him in the 11th round, but we're going to give mm -hmm. him a million, a million dollar bonus. All of those guys, they all went to college. And so the 2023 class was like generationally good, potentially in college position players. And so you saw the Rays do a little bit of a different focus from what they normally kind of do in the first, what the first five picks are all position players and four of them are collegians. And Braden Taylor from TCU could potentially be a plus defender at third base, but he's got massive power. And typically guys in this system are either really good defenders or they have really good power. You haven't had as many guys that are both. Braden Taylor could be both. Colton Ledbutter from Mississippi State is a guy that I watched him play at Mississippi State for two years. Fantastic competitor. He's got, I mean, he's, the swing's a little bit long. Yes, he's a little bit vulnerable to elevated fastballs and things like that, but it's things you can work on. The tools are there. Trey Morgan in the third round, probably the best defensive first baseman in college baseball last year. And again, he fits that mold of he doesn't have the ridiculous power at first base, but he's going to have a plus or better hit tool. He's going to give you really good defense, and he's going to be able to hit third or fourth in your lineup, kind of like Nate could, kind of like Kyle Manzardo could have. Uh, kind of like Xavier, you know, now you have multiple options at first base and DH going forward. And so, I mean, even Hunter Haas from Texas A&M is a guy that could play second or third 
has more power than we expected. And so I, I like how Tampa said, we're going to, we need pitching, Don't, but we're going to lean into the strength of this draft and this class. We're going to go out there. Um, we're going to go get a lot of college hitters because that's what's there. We're going to go for guys that we think we can project power, like a Colton Ledbetter, obviously something where they think they can get him better. Hunter Haas has power, but it's all pull side. They think they can straighten that out a bit, but the bat speed's there. The pitch recognition against velocity's there. Like They went out and they said, we're going to do uh, maximize what we're good at, which is getting these hitters to be better, more consistent hitters. Combine that with the strength of this draft. So I was impressed by that. And then after that, you went and loaded up on arms. And I, I want to say there was one point where like 10 straight draft picks were pitchers. Yeah. And that's probably how it should have been. A lot of uh, college juniors and seniors, you know, Stanford, Duke, LSU, really good baseball schools. So I liked the draft when I was doing the immediate reactions in the week of. I said, this is one of my favorite drafts simply because the Rays went out of character a little bit, but not too much, and really leaned into the strength of the draft, whereas some teams said, we're just going to do what we always do when this wasn't the draft for that. My team's Atlanta Braves, and they went very pitcher heavy, which is their thing, but this was the year to go get hitters early because there were such good hitters high in the draft because they weren't drafted in 2020. Yeah, and the Rays, uh, I think, yeah, basically rounds 5 through 20 was basically all pitchers, and mostly college pitchers as well. I think they had a position player mixed in there as well, which what do you think of that approach where it just seemed like looking at it, I'm not a draft pick by any means, but very college heavy. I didn't know if that was by design or just by the case of how COVID has changed uh, the world in, in one shape or another. The draft has been trending more college heavy in the last decade or so. So even pre-COVID, it's been trending more college heavy. Uh, but if you kind of look, the big tell is not necessarily were they a college player, but was it a draft eligible uh, junior versus a senior who couldn't go back? And then what did we pay him? And for the most part, most of those guys got close or vaguely around full slot after the two prepsters in rounds uh, one and five. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't a scenario like a lot of teams do where they take those seniors that have no leverage they can't go back to school they draft them early and they pay them like 20 grand on a slot value of 250,000 and save the money tampa didn't do that tampa went out and got a lot of juniors or seniors that had more eligibility paid them full price to come because they legitimately see them as guys that we can develop into contributors versus we need organizationally to add arms look at the the angels draft i think it was to the 21 draft where they took nothing but pitchers. They got like two arms out of that because they went with just, uh, they just took pitchers to take pitchers. Tampa Bay said, no, we're going to go get guys that have tools that have attributes that we like, that we think we can develop. And so it was a good approach to taking a lot of college uh, pitchers because also you have more information, more high quality information on college pitchers. Mm, understood. Now the draft overall, which team, uh, do you think had the best draft and which team had the most head-scratching draft? Uh, Oakland and Kansas City had weird drafts. And a lot of that's their first-round picks. Jacob Wilson doesn't feel like a very high-ceiling shortstop for Oakland. Uh, very little power, but kind of odd there. And then Kansas City needed catchers really bad. But rather than taking the best catcher in the draft, Kyle Teal from, from Virginia, 
They took a prep catcher in the top 10. Blake's, uh, Blake Mitchell out of Sinton, Texas. And so both those drafts were a little bit odd simply because it was a kind of a big swing and miss. It looks like up. It's so hard to grade drafts right now, but yeah. it looks like a big swing and miss up there. But conversely, like there was a lot of drafts. This draft, Cincinnati's draft, I thought Cincinnati's draft was very good. They went out, kind of said, all right, this is what our major league team needs. We can lean into the draft and get not only high ceiling position players, but high level college pitchers. They took some of the really good college pitchers early in Rhett Ladder and Ty Floyd, and then they went and got some hitters in Miami. Miami did a thing, speak to the other Florida team, where they said, all right, everybody's focused on these college hitters. We're going to go complete opposite. We're going to go grab the two best prep pitchers in the draft. We're going to take them with picks with our first two picks. And so if you're going to zag, you have to completely zag. And that is what Miami did. And that worked out well. Whereas Tampa said, we're going to lean into what the draft is, but we're going to make sure that we scout these guys appropriately and they fit with what we do. So they married our organizational philosophy with the strengths of the draft. Generally, and I know we'll uh, we'll wrap up here pretty soon, but generally over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, which organization has been the best at drafting? Ooh, we actually did a show on this. There was some... Sp- some stats done by this, uh, a study looking at which organizations got the most out of their players. And for for people who are watching on my feed, I'll link it in the show notes. I can't remember the exact results of this, but I want to say Tampa Bay was up in the top, maybe the top third of that. Okay. I think I think the winner in that one was the Cardinals and the Dodgers were the organizations that have done really good at converting drafted players into major leaguers. Because there's two ways that a drafted player can help your team, right? You can develop them and get them to the major leagues. That's that's obviously way one, and then they can contribute more at the major league level. Or you can build up their prospect stock and you can move them in a deal for someone else. And I remember specifically Los Angeles, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals standing out for being very good at drafting players and then developing them and getting them to the majors. And that's a talent that not every organization can do. And Tampa did a very good job at building up the players, getting them a very good farm system. And that gave the flexibility to take the studs, like a Wander Franco, promote them to the bigs. And then you either have complimentary pieces or you can negotiate trades, like a Kyle Manzardo for an Aaron Savali. You can make trades to make your major league team better. So there's two ways a draft can help you, or two ways your farm system can help you. Tampa's good at both of them. Well, that's good to know, certainly. And it's helped <laughs> over the last several years as well. Uh, and when you don't have the payroll to afford uh, big free agents, you got to do it in other ways as well. Um, final question, Lindsay, before we wrap up. We fast forward, just look ahead, crystal ball it, 20 years from now, which player or players from the 2023 MLB draft will wind up having the best career or highest career war. Um, you know, just fast forward to, uh, I guess, you know, 2045 or so, we look back and say, okay, Max Clark was a dude, or Paul Skeens was, you know, the next Garrett Cole, whatever it may be. Just how you would measure all that. Oh, that's tough. I'm going to go with, if I had to pick first rounders, 
I'm going to go with Chase Davis of the St. Louis Cardinals and Hurston Waldrip of the Braves because both of those guys were the perfect fit of player to an organization that's very good at developing that type of player. Atlanta's very good at developing pitchers. We've seen all the guys that they've brought. Uh, St. Louis is very good at developing outfielders, getting them to the majors. And so I think those two guys are the perfect fit of player to organization. And because of that, that's the safe picks. The the, uh, the easy picks are like, say, a Paul Skins or Dylan Cruz, right? Because they're the best players of the draft. But I just, and Pittsburgh's had plenty of really good pitchers. They just haven't always stayed in Pittsburgh. I think uh, it's probably, if it's not one of those top two guys, you're going to look at a Chase Davis or a Hurston Waldrop as being, these are the guys that are going to have really good careers out of this draft. Well, the Rays were certainly a benefactor, beneficiary of, Pitchers not working out with the Pirates. I have a glass now, for example. And Shane Boz, uh, so yep. he gets healthy and right. Shane Boz, um, one of the greatest player to be named later of all time. One of the greatest. Absolutely. Not the greatest, but one of the greatest. Yeah. Uh, Pirates fans still have nightmares about that uh, trade in that deal at the time. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily have to be first round. I mean, it could have maybe there was a, a third rounder, a fifth rounder, an eighth rounder that really tickled your fancy that you think, okay, this guy could really, really be something down the line. Uh, Kevin McGonigal to the Tigers, the player himself, he was, I think it was comp round A. Really interesting, really talented player. I think that there's the the possibility of him becoming, uh, he was considered to have the best prep hit tool in this entire draft. I think he's a guy that could we could potentially look back and say, wow, he did a very, they, they maximize exactly what he was. Uh, but then also third baseman Jake Gelliff to the Dodgers out of Virginia. Uh, that's another team and organization where they're good at developing hitters. And then also you're going to be surrounded by such a good team that it's going to be easier for you to compile a lot of those stats compared to a lot of other teams. I do think one of the best hitters at the end of the day out of this draft could be Trey Morgan. I, I mean, Trey Morgan is a very good hitter and it helps that he's a plus defender as well. The only question I have about Trey Morgan is what is his power ceiling going to end up being? Is it going to be enough to be on those lists or is it just going to be enough to be a starting first baseman, a top 10 first baseman in baseball, you know? Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And we appreciate any uh, raised drafty shout out. We'll, we'll <laughs> take it where we can get it for sure. Lindsay, where can people, how can people find your work, podcast, plug it all. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The podcast is uh, at Locked On Farm on Twitter. Obviously, Locked On Emily Prospects available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And then everything else, the baseball writing, the college baseball writing, I always link that through Twitter as well. That's all we need to hear. Lindsay, you're the best. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. 